blessing of being able to, to be a, a part of your family, and Father, and to, to know that you love us, Lord, regardless of what's gone on in our life, Father, regardless of the direction that we may have, have chosen for ourselves, Father, that you're standing there with your arms wide open, desiring to, to welcome us back, Lord, if we're willing to, to repent of our sins and to ask you to, to come back into our hearts. And Father, we're just so, so grateful for the blessing of being able to, to be a part of your family. That Lord, we just ask you'll continue with us, Lord, as we continue through this series. And Father, and what your word expects of us as individuals, but Father, what your word expects of us as a, as a people as well. And Father, we just ask as we again, as we continue through through scripture, Father, that you will burden our hearts, Father, to, to stand up. And Lord, and, uh, it's been easy for the church over the years to sit quietly by. And Father, not only has it been easy, Lord, ultimately uh, we say ashamed, Lord, that, that that is what we've been doing. But Father, we just pray that you will burden us, Father, to, to get up and to speak up. And Father, and to call sin, sin. And Father, and to, to stand on the, the solid rock of Christ. Have me upon the cross. We all things in Christ Jesus, the Savior's name. Amen. One Nation Under God, Part 5, Homosexuality. If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn me over to Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 28. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 28. And ultimately, these two, excuse me, these verses here give us the foundations that we're, we choose from to, to build our lives upon. We choose from these two foundations as, as individuals. We choose these two foundations as families and as a nation as well. The foundation of scripture or the foundation of man. The foundation of truth or the foundation of feelings. So I invite you to stand with me in honor reading of God's word. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and burst against that house. Yet it did not fall, for it had been founded upon the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, the winds blew and burst against the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. The result was that when Jesus had finished these words, the multitudes were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as one of their scribes. May God add blessing to reading of his word and may be seated. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania the former capital of the United States before it was moved to Washington, D.C., the location where godly men formed the, the constitution of this nation. In 2018, the city took action to support homosexuality. The city took action against the Catholic social services because, and I quote, as a Catholic agency, we cannot provide written endorsements for foster parents for same-sex couples, which contradicts with its religious teachings on marriage, end quote. The city of Philadelphia brought suit against the, the Catholic social services because they would not allow homosexual couples to foster children or to adopt children. 
since their founding of, in 1917. For 101 years, not a single homosexual couple approached the agency to foster children. There are many other foster agencies, adoption agencies in the, in the city of Philadelphia. But in 2018, one homosexual couple made a complaint against the Christian agency, a Christ, against their Christian morals and values, even though other fostering agencies would approve them. But since they were a Christian agency, someone decided to go after them. And in the grand wisdom of things, Philadelphia decided the best thing we can do is just shut them down, the Catholic Social Services. It was their best option, they thought. Even though the city has an urgent need for foster parents, has an urgent need for adoptive parents, but they were targeted for their stance against homosexuality. Philadelphia is supposed to be the city of brotherly love. And maybe it is unless you have Christian morals and values. We as Christians are being discriminated against for our beliefs. I had already written the sermon and Friday morning was planning to sit down and start looking over my notes and, and ran across something else. The state of Virginia, they're talking 30 miles down the road. On Easter Saturday, 2020, Democratic Governor Ralph Northam passed a law that requires churches, Christian schools, and Christian ministries to hire people that are gay, transsexual, bisexual, and transsexual. They piggybacked another law on top of it requiring churches, Christian schools, Christian ministries to pay for transgender surgery with employee health care. And it popped up Friday because three Christian schools and one Christian ministry are, are suing the state over it. Why is all this going on? Because ultimately there are, in this world we have got to choose which foundation we're going to build upon. And most of the world has chosen to build its foundation upon the, the philosophies of mankind. We live in a society that has rejected the foundation of Scripture, that has rejected God's Word, that has rejected what God defines as right and wrong. Our passage here today comes at the end of the, the famous Sermon on the Mount. As you go through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about a, a lot of different things. He talks about the importance of prayer which is always essential, but particularly with everything that is going on in our nation, particularly in a, in a time of election and all the, the unrest that is in our nation, you know, that's, that's something that we as God's people should be focusing on our, ourselves during this time, is it, getting down serious about, about praying. He deals with the, tells, gives us the Lord's Prayer there, and we, I think we'll come back and look at that in a few weeks. But Jesus, as he goes through the Sermon on the Mount there, you know, he tells us not to, not to worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about what it may or may not bring. Don't focus upon that. You know, God cares for us. God loves us. God is going to provide for us. Don't worry about what tomorrow may or may not bring. Jesus in chapter 5, verses 13 and 14 tells us that, that we as Christians are supposed to be the, the salt and light of the world. As Jesus Christ went back, was getting ready to go back to heaven, he told the church, you're supposed to be the ones influencing society. You're supposed to be the ones that are that are pointing everybody in the right direction. God never expected us as his children to go into our prayer closets, close the door, turn off the light, and shove a two-by-four under the doorknob. 
God expects us to be influencing society. God expects each and every one of us to be out being that salt, be that light that is impacting those that are around us. Saw a guy out on Dabney Drive Wednesday and actually saw him again yesterday. Standing there with the sign and it, the sign read, you know, the, the Democratic Party is controlled by Satan and vote Republican. You know, I'm not, I can't stand here and endorse one candidate or another, but just showing how a Christian can stand up and be salt and light. We're supposed to be the ones that are directing our nation. We are supposed to be the ones that are influencing the choices and decisions that are being made. And there that day, Jesus is looking at his followers, looking at them eye to eye, face to face on the side of that hill that day. And he says, you are supposed to be the ones that are influencing your neighborhoods, your nation, your world. And ultimately, we have that same responsibility. Nothing has changed. Then in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 and 18, Jesus says this, do not think that I came to abolish the law of prophets. I did not come to abolish but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the law until all is accomplished. And ultimately that's why we're looking at these verses of the building a house upon the rock, building a house upon the sand in the, in the context of, of homosexuality because Jesus says nothing in my law will be done away with until I come back. Nothing will change. The definition of right and wrong will not change. The definition of sin will not change. Scripture is still true regardless of the direction that society is headed in. Right and wrong doesn't change with our feelings. Scripture will hurt your feelings. It'll step on our toes. Scripture says that it, that it cuts like a, a two-edged sword. Everybody knows what it feels to be, uh, to be cut. Maybe it's a paper cut. Maybe it's a kitchen knife. Maybe you're like Jay, it's a saw blade, or me and us electric hedge drummers. But being cut hurts. And just because God's word hurts, just because God's word cuts us, it doesn't mean it's not true, because it still is. Every letter on every page is still true and still applicable for today. Then Jesus wraps up the Sermon on the Mount there, and he tells us, you know, we can, we can either build our lives upon the Word of God, we can build our lives upon, upon Scripture, we can build our lives on what God expects of us, or we can build it upon the philosophies of men. These verses can be applied to every teaching that is in Scripture. And today, again, we're going to tie it into what the Bible says about homosexuality, same-sex marriage, being gender neutral, et cetera, et cetera. So the first thing we'll look at this morning is God's foundation. God's foundation, verse 24 and 25. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and burst against that house, yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Jesus tells his listeners there, you know, to, to build their lives, build their families upon the, the solid rock of his word. In John, the first chapter, verse number 14, 
Jesus says, and the, it says there, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Glory is the one from the begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the very word of God. He is the one that we're listening to. He is the one that we're obeying. He is the one that we're to, to build our lives upon. You know, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, For all scripture is inspired by God, is profitable for reproof, teaching, and correction, and righteousness. That word therefore, for inspired, literally in the Greek means God breathed. God's word came directly out of God's mouth. It's what we're supposed to be, be building our lives upon. Jesus said to build your life upon this. Build your family upon this. Build your nation upon this. And he illustrates the point there by saying, you know, to, to build your house on something solid. Build it upon a rock. You know why? Because ultimately if you're going to build a house, you want it to stand. There's no need to go through the process of, of building a house, no need to put the time in building a house, no need to go through the, the expense of building a house only to watch it fall down. The same is true of life. There's no need to spend our, however how many years we have here, building our life upon something that is not going to stand the test of time. Build your life on the rock. Build it on what Scripture teaches. Build your life on the truth of the Bible. As I've said before, you know, all of, all of the, the political issues that we deal with today, you know, all of them in some degree or another affect our beliefs. All of them have some, some tie to Scripture, whether they're supporting Scripture or going against Scripture. But as I said last week, or probably the third week of saying it now since we did two weeks on abortion, if any of the issues that we're dealing with in America ultimately is going to bring God's judgment on us, it's going to be over our stance on abortion, and our stance on homosexuality. We've already looked at abortion. So what does scripture say our stance should be on homosexuality? Scripture is as clear on homosexuality as it is any other subject. You can sit around and you know, good Christians on both sides can, can debate a lot of different things. You know, the... Uh, Second coming of Christ, the rapture. You know, a lot of people will, will say, and, and I believe that it's coming be, before the rapture, Jesus is coming back, but there's just as many good people that are on the other side that says, no, Jesus is not coming back till the, to the end of the rapture. I remember when I was at Southeastern one night, they had a debate between, between the professors both, on both sides, both good godly men. Ones were, were, were quoting scripture saying Jesus is coming back before the rapture. Others could quote scripture that supported the fact saying that, no, he's coming back after the rapture. You know, there are some things that we can, can scratch our head and wonder about. But homosexuality is plain, clear, and cut and dry when it comes to Scripture. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 10, it says, Do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor the effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers shall inherit the kingdom of God. So Paul starts out there saying, church, you know, the, these are the people that will, will not get to heaven. Yes, there is. We can repent of our sins. Yes, there's anything going on in our life we can turn from. We can say, Lord, I'm sorry, Lord. I ask you to forgive me for them and, and, and turn from them. But these here 
sadly that Paul is listing are, are lifestyle sins. This is the way that people live. And ultimately it is impossible for a Christian to have this type of lifestyle. Not impossible for a Christian to, to mess up and commit any of these sins and ask for forgiveness, but it is impossible for a Christian to live this type, these types of, of lifestyles here. And Paul starts out those couple of verses there and saying, you know, these are the people that will not get into heaven. And he gives the list. And then he comes back there at the end and ties it in again and says, these are the people that will not get into heaven. Paul says, this is sin. And ultimately, you know, we're not going to look at the, the whole list today, but just looking at two of these sins, homosexual and effeminate. Everybody knows what, what homosexuality is. You know, being effeminate is, a, is being a, a, a girly man. You know, there's absolutely nothing on TV right now. But Susan and I have been watching, it just went off this week, uh, Dodgeball Thunderdome. Anybody else watched it? <laughs> I take it back then. <laughs> Anyway, it's a dodgeball tournament for, for adults. But a couple of weeks ago, they had a effeminate transsexual cross-dresser on there. Man dressed up like a woman. Laughed and laughed when she got hit by the ball. Wig would go flying off and he would scream like a girl. All the commentators referred to him as a her. Know what his name was? Pickle. Why in the world would you go by the name Pickle? But, it, but anyway, being effeminate, is, 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 that's what he's talking about here. In Leviticus chapter 18, verse number 22, it says, You shall not lie with a male as one lies with a female. It is an abomination. God's law saying that men having sex with men, women having sex with women, is, is wrong. As a matter of fact, as you look at the... The Hebrew there, God doesn't even use the, the, the word there for abomination. He doesn't use the regular word for sin. He doesn't use the regular word for wrong there. God uses the most, most intense word that he can possibly use in the Hebrew language to define what is wrong. I mean, we're talking in, in North Carolina English, we're talking bottom of the septic tank kind of wrong. In Leviticus chapter 20, verse number 13 God told the Hebrew people that, that homosexuality carried the death penalty. Scripture is clear about what God defines as right and wrong. Scripture is clear about how God feels about same-sex marriages. Again, you know, there are plenty of things in Scripture that we can go back and, fun, back and forth about, but Scripture is clear on where we're to build our lives and where we're to build our nation. And ultimately, it's our obligation to elect politicians that believe like we do. Because sin is still sin. Who can forget June 26, 2015, when Obama and Biden lit up the outside of the, the White House in rainbow colors in support of gay marriage? Who can forget Obama and Biden's law allowing transsexuals to be able to use whichever bathroom that they, they wanted to? 2017, President Trump did away with this. Who can forget Obama and Biden allowing transsexuals to join the military? Again, Trump did away with this. NBC News on April 17, 2019 said about you know, uh, Trump banning trans transsexuals from the, the military. It says, and I quote, the, the policy is insidious in operation but designed to be as comprehensive a ban as possible, end quote. 
homosexuality and effeminate is a sin. We cannot support it. And we cannot support a candidate that supports it as well. We looked at God's foundation. Let's look at man's foundation. There in verse 26 and 27, man's foundation. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them will be like a foolish man who builds his house upon the sand. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and burst against that house. And it fell and great was its fall. Yeah, ultimately, you know, either, either we're going to build our, our lives and our nation and our families upon the word of God or, or the philosophies of men. Going back to Jesus' illustration here, you know, to, to build our lives on the philosophies of, of men means that something in your life is going to quickly fall apart. When we build our lives upon our, our nation upon mankind's feelings, Jesus says, you know, it's like building your, your house upon the stand, sand. It'll never stand. Oh, it may look good for a while. It may be the prettiest house in the neighborhood. Everything may look great, but it will not stand when the storms come. Ultimately, it will fall. And unless our lives and unless our nation, unless our families is built upon the word of God, it will not stand. Going back to the verses that we looked at a moment ago when Paul was writing to the, to the church at Corinth, there, 1 Corinthians, Paul was writing to Corinth, a, a church that was in a, in a wicked city. Corinth was a, a wicked city in the Roman Empire. It was a city that was considered to be sexually loose. Matter of fact, according to the, to the Bible knowledge commentary, the whole Roman Empire was wicked. The philosopher Plato, in his work, the Synopsis, he praised homosexuality. Nero, the Roman emperor, that was, that was sitting upon the throne at the time that Paul is writing here, was getting ready to marry Sporus, a little boy. Roman society loved homosexuality. Matter of fact, 14 of the first 15 Roman emperors were either homosexual or bisexual. And the New Testament is written during the time that the Roman Empire rules the world. This is the thinking that, that, it, that has infiltrated the world at this time. Rome ruled the world and homosexuality ruled the Roman Empire. What happened to the Roman Empire? It goes down the toilet of history. God took them out. God will not stand for homosexuality. Again, considers it an abortion. No matter how mighty a nation no matter how big a stick they carry, how big a military, no matter how much of a, a world force they are, God will take them out. Over in Genesis chapter 19, verses 1 through 7, you know, Abraham and, and Lot are on his way to the promised land, and as they get there, Abraham looks at Lot and says, Lot, you, you go ahead and choose. You choose where you want to, to, to graze your cattle. You choose where you want to build your home. You choose, choose where you want to raise your family, and I'll take the other side. And of course, Lot chooses the area that Sodom and Gomorrah is in. There in Genesis 19, verses 1 through 7, it says, Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed, bowed down with his face to the ground. And he said, Now behold, my lords, please turn aside into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may arise early and go on your way. 
For they said, However, no, we shall spend the night in the square. Yet he urged them strongly, so they set aside to him and entered his house. And he prepared a feast for them and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Before they lay down, the men of the, the city, the men of Sodom, surrounded the house, both young and old, all the people from every quarter. And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the, the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out that we may have relations with them. But Lot went out to them at the doorway and shut the door behind them and said, Please, brothers, do not act wickedly. Now dropping down to 23 through 25, night is past. It says, The sun has risen over the earth when Lot came to Zohar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the city and what grew on the ground. A, city, a, a society that supports homosexuality or effeminate is in danger of the wrath of God. America's in a dangerous place. 2012, Jack Phillips, the, the Colorado baker, refused to bake a cake for a homosexual, homosexual wedding. Why? Because he was a Christian and believed in marriage between one man and one woman. What happened when he stood for his convictions? The gay couple filed a complaint with the Colorado Civil Rights Commission. Same-sex couple won their case. The baker pushed his case to, excuse me, the, as the, as the uh, Colorado Civil Rights Commission favored the, the homosexual couple, he was banned from making any more wedding cakes. Thankfully, the baker had his her case heard by the Supreme Court, and they overturned it because the Supreme Court said that the previous ruling had clear and permissible hostility toward his religious views. He could go back to baking. But don't let that good news warm your hearts too much. A few months after that, the same baker refused to bake a cake for, for a Colorado resident that was celebrating a gender reassignment. And they were sued again. And the hits keep coming. Our country was not founded upon men with lace on their drawers or women wanting to grow beards. <laughs> you don't mama nothing else, you remember that, won't you? <laughs> James McHenry, a signer of the Constitution, believed that we needed the Bible to, to govern our nation. And he said this, and I quote, Public utility pleads most forcibly for the general distribution of scriptures. The doctrine they preach, the obligations they impose, the punishment they threat, the rewards they promise, the stamp and image of divinity they bear, which produces a conviction of their truths, can alone secure to society order and peace. And our courts and justices and constitutions of governments, purity, stability, and usefulness. In vain, without the Bible, we increase penal laws and draw entrenchments around our institutions. Bibles are strong entrenchments. Where they abound, men cannot pursue wicked courses, end quote. When we get rid of the Bible, he, James says there, that once we get rid of the Bible, men pursue a wicked course. Now we've got to elect candidates that will stand against homosexuality. I already pointed where, where Trump stood against, you know, transgenders using the bathroom of their choice and transgenders and the, the military but looking at the governor's race, Dan Forrest, Republican candidate, according to Indy Weekly, Dan Forrest believes that transgender is, is just a feeling, nothing real to it. 
He believes that people should use the bathroom that matches the assignment of their sex on their birth certificate. Dan Forrest supports judges and magistrates that refuse to, to marry gay couples because of their Christian beliefs. North Carolina policy calls him the, almost certainly the most conservative lieutenant governor in decades and quite likely the most conservative statewide elected official in North Carolina, period, end quote. His opponent, our current Governor Democrat Roy Cooper, in 2018 proclaimed June to be lesbian, gay, bisexual, transsexual pride month. We have to elect candidates that will support a biblical worldview. It's what our founding fathers built this nation upon. Last thing I want to look at this morning are what are the results of our choices? What are the results of our choices? They're in Jude chapter, excuse me, Jude verse 7. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they in the same way as these indulged in gross immorality, and went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. The entire book of Jude is only 25 verses long, but most of all of those 25 verses deal with us learning from the past dealing with us learning in, from what God has, has preserved for us in Scripture, learning from the, from the mistakes of others. And Jesus said there, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah and the, the surrounding area there, people were, were going after strange flesh. You know, men were going after men, women were going after women. And Jude here says, learn from their example. It was their downfall. Sin landed them in hell. The eternal fire, the everlasting flame, place of total darkness, place of total loneliness, the place that the fire never goes out and the worm never dies, the place of eternal suffering. And Jude said, learn from what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, learn from what happened to the Roman Empire. God says, I don't care if you've conquered the whole world. I don't care how popular you are with everybody else. I don't care that you're the, a world power of the day. I don't care who you think you are or how big you think you are. I'll take you out like that. God will not and has not, and history proves it, Scripture proves it, God will not allow a society or a nation that endorses homosexuality to stand. And that's the result of building our lives and our nation upon the philosophies of man. Be in prayer. Stand firm on what, 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 what Scripture teaches. Vote for candidates that are going to stand upon what God says here. Because woe unto the nation. We've seen the examples of what happens when homosexuality is promoted. Will you pray with me? Father, we are, again, thankful for your preserved word. Lord, it, it does cut, Father. It does, it does help us to, to see right from wrong. And, Father, in being cut at times, it, it does hurt, Lord. And it's not going to make us popular with anybody. And, Lord, and we know it goes against the direction of society today. But, Father, it doesn't, that doesn't matter to you, Father. You, you, you've told us to stand on, on right. You've told us to stand upon Scripture. You've told us to, to build our lives and our nation and our families upon you because ultimately everything else will fall. And, Lord, we just pray for the, the conviction in our lives, Lord, to be able to, to stand firm upon what you're going to hold us accountable for. 
Father, again, we just pray for this upcoming election. And, Lord, we just pray that you will put men and women in places, Lord, that will support the, the, the truth of the gospel. Lord, pray for this upcoming week. And, Lord, whatever it may bring, may we put you first. We pray all things in Christ Jesus' Savior's name. Amen. Keep looking up. Jesus Christ is coming back, and today is good a day as any.